So today we continue in my foolishness as we uh, walk through the book of Revelation a little bit devotionally, just trying to make it practical and understandable, approachable for everybody. Um, We're going to pick it up today in verse 4, but let's go back to where we ended. Uh, Then I saw an angel, verse 1, then I saw an angel coming out from heaven holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He's out of heaven. He's got control of things. And he sees the dragon who was from the abyss and that ancient servant who was the devil or and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and closed it. He locked it up and he put a seal on it that would no longer deceive the nations until a thousand years, the thousand years were complete. And after that, he must be released for a short time. Now, if we were taking the time factors as all literal, then we might think we might be trying to put this on a calendar, but this is not about literal calendar times. It is a, it is a message. It's, it's communicating um, just as he owns a thousand, uh, cattle on a thousand hills, God owns all of time. He has all dominion. And so Satan may be released for a short time in a limited way, but compared to God, he has no authority. He's under control. Verse four. Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. Thrones are always associated there with heaven. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the, their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They were beheaded. Remember earlier we talked about uh, witnesses are m- martyrs, martyrs meaning um, those who are willing to testify faithfully even to the point of death. Everybody may not actually literally be martyred, but their belief is so great. They are willing to even give their lives for their testimony. See, that's you, by the way. That's John. Um, That's those first century Christians. Not everybody was martyred, but they were of the martyr type. Because of the testimony of Jesus and the word of God, we'll come back to that in a second, um, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads and on their hands. By the way, previously, I think it was in the 10th chapter, we are introduced to Christians, those who follow God, they're marked on their foreheads with the mark of God. They're marked on their hands with the mark of God. In other words, the way that they think and what they do is marked by God, underneath God's authority, submitted to him, as opposed to those whose thinking and actions are marks, are carry, in a sense, the marks of the beast. People, do, unfortunately, make this, these again, the numbers, they make them literal, and then it makes Christians look silly, in my opinion, um, and not only does it misinterpret the passage, but it, you know, because Christians are always looking for 666 over there. Um, <clears throat> and in the original language, it may not even be 666, it could be 616, but at any rate. Um, <clears throat> who did not accept the mark on their foreheads or hands, and they came to life and <laughs> see, these are the beheaded people, but they're not really dead. They're not really beheaded because they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Once again, we get that picture. It looks like they're dead, but things aren't always as they appear to be. These are not the dead ones. These are the faithful 
martyr, faithful witnesses who are really reigning. This is John it's talking about. Remember, this is first message for John. John is the faithful witness who looks defeated on the exile on the island of Patmos, but he's really of the type that is reigning. We know that. You know that. The rest of the dead did not come to life until after the thousand years were completed. The, um, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So let's pray, and, um, and we'll just go through a couple of details here. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for your word, and that it's so encouraging. And I pray that we would be encouraged by you today as you encouraged First John and then the other Christians of the early centuries and even now extended to us today. May your word be open to us right now. Through Christ I pray, amen. Um, so the first three verses in the 20th chapter gives us a general introduction to this picture. We see the general story. Satan is the bound one and he is, but he's released, you know, he has a limited amount of uh, ability to do some damage and some hurt. And this is what John has experienced. But there are two kinds of reigning. There's the thousand years reigning and then there's the short term, short time reigning. And when you compare the two, short time reigning is nothing because it, God is the one who's ultimately sovereign. You also see faithfulness. You see faithfulness, the reward of those who are faithful, the first resurrection. The reward for those who aren't faithful, the second death. Again, we're not counting here. It's not like there's a second resurrection and a first death. And a, you know, we're, the, it's kind of like McAlpin. Excuse me. It's kind of like the McAlpin's seconds with clothes. You're not counting. You're seeing a kind. It's like prime rib. You're not counting. You're not saying, oh, I don't want the prime rib. I want the second rib. You know, prime rib. No, you're, you're, it is a type. And what we see is there are two types of people. There are those who experience the first resurrection, the, the, the resurrection with Christ. And then there are those who are not with Christ, who are with Satan, and they experience the second death. They experience what is horrible and horrifying and nobody wants to experience. Um, uh, Jesus said this actually, the same thing in Matthew chapter 11. Remember when he said of the first resurrection people, he said, I'm the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, yet will he live. That's the first resurrection. But those who don't believe in him experience that second death separation from God, utter defeat. Yeah, we all will experience physical death, but when you think of the second death, you're thinking ultimate separation from God. Now, verses seven through 10 continue this scene, reinforcing what's, oh, wait, wait before I go to that, I want to do, notice in verse um, four then, it says that these are the ones the, the ones who are beheaded, 
for their because of their testimony of Jesus and the word of God. Do you remember when we were first introduced to this? These are themes that are developed throughout the entire book of Revelation. But we saw that in the very second verse of the first chapter of Revelation, who testifies to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. What is, who's Jesus described as in the fifth verse of Revelation chapter 1? From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. What's John described as in the ninth verse? It says, I, John, your brother and partner in affliction, uh, kingdom and endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos. Why? Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So you come to the 20th chapter, who are the beheaded people? Who are the, that's, that's John, who's on Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. We've already had those descriptions referred to John, and now they're referring to anybody who, like John, is faithful to Christ, no matter what the cost. And so what we're getting here is picture after picture after picture of be faithful. It's worth it all. Yes, Satan can inflict harm. Yeah, there's a time. There's a a limited uh, pain that he can inflict. John, he can send you on the island of Patmos. He can have some try to kill you. He can kill your friends. He can... Um, uh, uh, um, persecute the church and disperse them throughout the, the, the world. But his reign is limited. The damage he does is limited. And the reality is you be faithful to the testimony of God. You be faithful to your work for Christ and you'll receive this crown of life. Verse 7 continues, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampments of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Understand what you just read there, in my opinion, is a reinforcement of what we've already seen. It is a restatement of this picture, reassure, I mean, what happens when you hear something, a promise repeated over and over? It keeps getting repeated. It's like, I can be confident in this. God wants me to know. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Again, realize how difficult the suffering is for John and for those first century Christians and Christians through the years. And so hearing over and over again, is it, is it too much to have your spouse tell you every day, I love you? What if your spouse tells you five times a day, I love you? Is that too many times? No. And so God is repeating these messages for for John and for Christians to be faithful. Charles Erdman, 
um, writes, uh, the visions of John are not to be understood as indicating a sequence of times. They are largely repetitious and parallel. The same scene is thrown upon the screen a second and a third time, all that all the, the light of prophetic revelation may be forced upon a single event. In other words, so this kind of singular event just keeps getting clearer and clearer and clearer. The resultant message of the scenes is the same. The reader is reminded of the reality of opposition, but he is also refreshed in knowing that the dragon or Satan or the devil or Mr. O, Mr. Opposition, by any other or, 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 or any other alias is the bound kind. He is the imprisoned kind. He is the doomed kind before God and his people. This, my friends, is the message of the book of Revelation. This is the message of assurance that John needs to hear. Rather than making it some kind of thing about the future that nobody can understand, or actually a few elite people can understand, and they were really proud that they can understand it, but nobody else can. It's something that everybody can understand. It's encouragement for every spiritual uh, sufferer and striver. I mean, how many times in history does it look like Satan wins? And God's people are defeated. Like spiritual darkness is triumphing over God's people. I mean, think about the martyrs in history and how they've stood up for God, but those who had power killed them. And it looked like the martyrs were losing. But how could they stand up? How could they give their lives for what they believe? Because they understood. They really were the victorious ones because they were being faithful. How is it that people can sacrifice financially their lives? I mean, over and over again, sacrifice, and their lives now are more difficult because they've sacrificed for the kingdom. It's because they know we win in Christ. I mean, think about the Christmas story. You know, it looks like Herod is in control. It looks like Herod has all power. You know, Herod is doing some significant evil and causing significant harm when he wants to kill Christ and he orders the killing of all the children under two years old in the Bethlehem area. But what we see is that Herod does have control. He does have power, but it's limited. And he's the bound type. He's the loser type. Mary and Joseph don't look like winners. Mary and Joseph just look like humble people that are struggling, don't have a place to live, have to run from one place to another to save the life of their baby. Ah, but in the upper story, from a heavenly perspective, from a revelation perspective, we see you be faithful and you're the winner. It may look like Satan has control and is winning, but he's not. When people try to put a timestamp on these things. In my opinion, they end up missing the point. Notice there in verse um, verse 8, they will go about and deceive the nations in the four corners of their Gog and Magog. It helps to understand the book of Ezekiel and see how Gog and Magog were just bad guys. They were just bad nations. 
And it's just like they're associated with bad nations, oppositions to, to, to God's people. And basically it's just like, yep, there are always the gogs and magogs around there. Verse 10, the devil who deceived them will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets will be there and they're tormented day and night forever and ever. Ultimately, these monsters are the defeated type. Ultimately, they can cause pain, but they cannot cause real threat, eternal threat. Today, the devil deceives, doesn't he? Um, the, the, the devil would have us be marked by his fears. Um, how easy it is to get sucked into a generation that is wandering away from God because it feels like we're on the wrong side of history. That's one of the phrases that we hear from time to time, isn't it? Boy, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You don't want to be on the, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. The book of Revelation is really clear. Uh, there's only one right side of history, and that's on God's side. Be faithful to him, and he will give you the crown of life. Um, what John teaches in pictures in the book of Revelation, he teaches more didactically, instructively in 1 John 2, 15, and we'll leave it here today. You know what the message is? Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Satan has come to appeal to our love for the world, but don't do it. For everything of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possession, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world with its lusts is passing away. It's going to be thrown in the lake of fire. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. So be encouraged because God wins. Do his will and you will win with him. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would encourage people today that the book of Revelation would be less mysterious and more an uncovering of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is sovereign, Lord of all. That you will be faithful and you call us to be faithful and it's worth it all. That while Satan does have some influence, lots of influence, and while he can behead us, that we are victorious in Christ. We are always moving forward in victory in Christ. And so Lord, help us not to love the world or the things of this world. Help us to see today how maybe we're loving the world, things of this world. But help us to love, have your love within us so we're always living with patience and yet with readiness, saying, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. Through Christ we pray, amen. I hope you find that helpful. Maybe we'll do another one in the future.